0: You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark.
1: Welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I am Andrew Berkshire, and I'm here with Mary Clark from For the Win. We have an exciting show for you tonight. We've got lots of little bits to talk about off the hop, because there's uh, little bits of breaking news that we've got to talk about that we don't want to spend a whole segment on. And then we're going to talk about Alex Ovechkin, who is, oh my goodness, he's Alex Ovechkin. There's no other way to put it. I've got an interview lined up with Eric Angles to talk about the Montreal Canadiens' GM situation and uh, what led to the firings and what's going to go on in uh, the future. We also touched a little bit on the Logan Mayu situation, so slight content warning for that. We didn't get into the details or anything, but if you don't want to hear about it, it's in the last few minutes of the first segment. You will know when we're switching to it. Uh, before we get into it tonight, the uh, title sponsor of the show is Stat Hero. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports pl- uh, platform where it's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. Winner takes all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash hockey and use promo code hockey for a 100% deposit match. That's a pretty good deal, Mary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast anywhere you can get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter. At Andrew Berkshire, at Mary C. Clark, and at Crosscheck NHL. So, Mary, I know uh, the middle of the week is always tough for you know what are we up to and all that, but uh, we'll, we'll let's let's look at uh, a couple of the small stories here to start. Uh, first of all, Tyler Bertuzzi, very predictably, is now on the COVID protocol list.
0: Yeah, I mean that's not surprising given that he was one of the, I guess, more vocal not players that is not vaccinated i'm
1: he's the only officially unvaccinated player
0: yeah even though there are others that we don't know about considering uh, i don't know if we'll talk about it in this segment a lot of teams are dealing with covid and it's not just in the nhl the nba too is also dealing with it uh so it's kind of widespread at least in those two sports right now uh but this isn't a big surprise considering you know he was the major unvaccinated players still left uh in the league and well you you play you play stupid games you win stupid prizes i think is the best way for me to sum this up i mean i hope he's okay that's all
1: yeah i mean i'm trying not to be the told you so guy yeah but but also like at a certain point with people like this like this is your fault sorry yeah like it is. I mean,
0: I think you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Is a good way to yes. is a good way to put it. You know, just choices. You make choices, and you live with the consequences of your choices, good or bad, yes. regardless of what happens. So,
1: now, like, hopefully, he gets lucky and he doesn't get yeah. uh, severe symptoms, right? But you know, and for those who continue to lie and say that uh, people with the vaccine get it at the same rate as people who don't, no, they don't. Uh, it's actually like ten percent of the people that like ten percent as often and the amount of ill effects that you get is like one one hundredth of a percent or something like that. So the idea that the vaccine does not help is so stupid. And I like, we all hope that Tyler Bertuzzi doesn't have any long lasting effects, but uh, this is just annoying. And I wish that we would get to move past this. I actually saw a video yesterday, Mary, that gave me like, usually I watch things even like doom and gloom things. And I'm like, okay, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. But this was a scientist out of the States that was talking about uh, Omicron and what we're like looking at over the next stretch of time and how like the symptoms are less severe upon like initial infection. So people aren't going to take it as seriously. And a lot of mask mandates are already dropped. And especially in the States, a lot of people like who are on second doses, that immunity is starting to wear off because it's not lasting as long as everyone was hoping. And they're like, yeah, we're probably going to be in this for about another three years. And I was like, oh, oh, my God, no, I can't, I can't do, I can't do three years. It's just too long. So I'm hoping that that person who seemed very intelligent was wrong, because intelligent people can be wrong. (laughs) But I don't don't know if I can handle three more years. Yeah, when I got
0: my booster, the lady was like, yeah, you're just, uh," because the reason why she said something to, not to the effect of three years, but she said, you're going to keep coming back for a while, is because we, uh, the first time when we got, vaccinated you know with both doses my sister laminated our cards because we were like yeah that's it and they were also saying to laminate your cards this was like way way back in the spring before they were like you know boosters and stuff like that uh and the lady gave us a new card is like don't laminate it this time because you'll you'll be coming back for more and i'm like oh man oh man (laughs) i mean i'm okay with it i'll be okay with it it's just and it just sucks that we're at this point where we have to keep doing this when it could be easily solved if people do the right thing but yeah
1: and i think that the boosters like you said it doesn't bother me either like i don't mind getting a booster every once in a while i think very early on when the vaccine was developed there was a lot of speculation that at the very least we'd be getting like a booster a year similar to the flu shot because like this is just flat out not going away it's it's a global problem and we haven't come up with a global solution yet because we're just letting countries that aren't uh, super wealthy sit And have people die and not giving them the vaccine. And, you know, you have a lot of uh, Western world countries that aren't lifting patents on these vaccines so that they can actually manufacture them out there and help their own citizens. So, unfortunately, doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon and uh, we'll just have to live with it. But, uh, yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi, certified dummy, unfortunately, and hopefully doesn't suffer any major ill effects from his dumbness or hopefully his teammates don't either. Yeah. The other and, thing uh, is
0: with COVID uh, is I think we're coming out of it now that the Islanders had to uh, shut down and games are postponed for a few days. So I think that's... Yeah, they're coming back now. Yeah. Tonight. So I think we are... That is at least what the Oilers... Not the Oilers. The... Uh, senators and the islanders yeah the two teams so uh i know we mentioned a couple weeks ago i don't know however long ago it was when ottawa first you know post when they you know started to postpone games we were like how long is it going to take for them to you know look at the olympics i think uh emily kaplan had a good uh thing on it that was like you know uh the olympics they're not starting to go down that road yet but there is you know they might skip there's an option on the table and I know that's not what we want but we all kind of feared this would happen if you know COVID was still going around in a major way and it wasn't being handled and unfortunately it's it's bad everywhere like I said it's not just the NHL too the NBA is also dealing with uh big COVID outbreaks I mean LeBron James uh has been dealing with it so it's it's everywhere at this point and it's a shame but um Who knows? I have no idea at this point what the NHL is going to do with the Olympics. If I had to guess, considering everything that's happened, I'd say no, considering we're probably heading for another couple of teams postponing, just with the way things have been going, so.
1: Yeah, Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, but at the same time, I think the NHL is so focused on making money that uh, it's probably going to happen anyway, right? (laughs)
0: We we shall see Andrew. I'm I guess I'm just not hopeful because I know the NHL and they'll snatch anything fun away from me uh if they can. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting situation. I like obviously something that we'll keep a watch on. We, we won't know how serious it is until it gets there. But the combination of COVID and the political situation in China, it's it's interesting to say the least. I I think I still think they're going to go but uh We'll see how, how it works out. The other big thing that happened, or not big thing, but a uh, little thing that happened that we're going to just mention quickly off the top is uh, the whole Evander Kane situation. And it seems like his wife is coming under scrutiny now. And I'm just very uncomfortable with the whole situation. Because yeah. <laughs> it just seems like what was being reported yesterday was essentially that she got an abortion and that somehow that tipped the scales in Evander Kane's favor in the custody battle. And I just find that super gross. Like, if she didn't want to have a child, even if she's married, that's still ultimately her decision.
0: Yeah, I mean, it gets wrapped up in a whole bunch of other things that are happening politically in the United States right now, which is just very difficult conversations to have. Uh, It's just, it's gross. I think you said it in the correct way. Uh, We don't have to dive too into the details because it is a very uncomfortable topic. But it's just, you know something at least we're keeping an eye out on as the Evander Kane situation continues to unfold. Even still, yes. even though he's not with the Sharks anymore, he's declared he With the
1: Barracuda. Yeah, so. Which is the Sharks' AHL affiliate, and he's not traveling uh, with them, apparently. That's like the situation that's been worked out for him to have custody, but yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation. It's kind of gross, and I feel like we both th- think that we've given Evander Kane far too much airtime on this podcast, so... We're going to move on, and we're going to talk about Alex Ovechkin, who is, at age 36, having the best start to his season that he's ever had in his career, which is absurd. (laughs) He's second in the NHL in points at 37, and second in goals with 19. And he's even, like, he's, is he ahead of the last two seasons in assists already? He's had,
0: he's having a really good year for assists. Yeah, he's
1: been a playmaker extraordinaire. Yeah,
0: like, like, to maybe career levels, I, I. Don't have the information to fact check that, but I feel like I've read somewhere that Alex Ovechkin is having, uh, like a possibly a career year in like assists, like a pace for him. Like he's never really been the assist guy; he's mostly been the uh, score goals from his office guy. Uh, But even then, maybe we talked about this, or maybe I heard it somewhere else. Um, he's not really scoring many goals from his typical office. He's making, you know.
1: He's di- diversified. Yeah, his
0: yeah, which is awesome to see. It feels like we always mention this about Ovechkin. We talked about this when, um, you know, when we were mentioning the Capitals winning the Stanley Cup way back when we were having that conversation about Connor McDavid and John Tortorella's comments about him. Um, and we mentioned how Ovechkin didn't like didn't have to necessarily change his game like specifically, but he did like do like the the team got better around him. But he has been able to. modify his game in a little bit so that he can still stay relevant and like he he modifies
1: his game offensively yes he's not like i think the way that people talk about him it's like that he had more defensive responsibility that was never really the case yeah so yeah you're right mary he actually is on a pace for the most assists in his career he's on pace for 64 that's a lot his career high is 59 which he had back in 0910 when he was 24 years old
0: yeah, I mean, I think right now he's on like a hundred and thirty-four or hundred and thirty-two point pace, which is his best ever after twenty-three games. Obviously, I don't think it's good. He's gonna hit a hundred and thirty-two points, but
1: no, but a hundred points you know, is It's points in the bank.
0: Yeah, I mean, a hundred points is very, very possible. I I still think that there's you know probably he, as with every you know goal scorer, they kind of go cold for a little bit, but yep, I think a hundred points is more than reasonable for Ovechkin now with the pace he's been on. He's just been. Racking up points, and he's kind of single handedly been the reason the Capitals are quite good this year. Like, he's generated so much offense that the team is just rising to meet him, basically. It's been really cool to see because, you know, I think we both thought, or at least I thought, that the Capitals might kind of be doomed because they're, you know, an aging team. They won their cup. um Obviously, like, Ovechkin's 36. Um, he has. A finite number of years left in the NHL technically I have a finite number of years left on this earth but I don't want to go to uh existential here on this uh Thursday morning <laughs> uh but yeah it is um it's been really fun to see and I'm surprised that he's been able to basically single-handedly keep the capitals um like that their engine moving I mean the capitals are doing other things well on their own but the The show runs through Ovechkin like one hundred percent, and his offense has been driving so much for this team, and it's been awesome to see. We I think we both love Alex Ovechkin. Uh, I we want him to break Gretzky's ra- record. Um, so this has been really awesome. This is a such a feel good story because he seems to be playing hockey at a high level and having fun doing it, which is at the end of the day what what we what we want. Like hockey yeah. should be, no matter how much we talk about how much it has failed us and how miserable it makes us is it at its core. It's a fun game and Alex Ovechkin is having fun and that's great.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's been like the, the story of Ovechkin's career, right? Aside from how great he is, is that he is a guy who has never failed to show how fun the game can be. You know, nobody enjoys the game of hockey as much as Alexander Ovechkin And I think that's why people are so attracted to him. Speaking of the Capitals, did you know that Nick Backstrom hasn't played a game yet this year?
0: Yeah. Like, he's
1: one of their best players and they're still this good this year without Nick Backstrom. And still Ovechkin is this good without Nick Backstrom this year, who's been, you know, tied to his hip for most of his career. And, you know, Ovechkin has 18 assists this year in 23 games. He had 18 assists last year in 45. He had 19 assists the year before in 68 games. Like, to put into context the ability of Ovechkin to to, to do Backstrom's job, essentially, and when his. Backstrom's out of the lineup. Yeah, like, it's incredible what he's been able to do this year.
0: I mean, I've always, like, I, I know that, you know, as a Flyers fan, I should hate the Capitals, but I, like, I came more around to the Capitals uh, when they started, you know, failing in their Stanley Cup Runs and failing to get past the Penguins, uh, in part because Ovechkin is so fun. And then you know when they won, I was primarily happy because Ovechkin won his cup and you know he proved the doubters wrong. He's just he's a fun hockey player to root for. Like I I know that there should be rivalry there, but I he's such an incredible player and we're so blessed to watch him in his prime. I mean he's he's still in his in his prime at age thirty six, which is wild to say considering you know somebody like a, a Sidney Crosby is been having a tough year transitioning from injury uh so it's I'm obviously not going to make this about you know Crosby versus Ovechkin but you know time does does things to us all and uh to see the you know dichotomy between those two players and it it sucks the way you know Crosby's season has gone because like I said he's been battling returning from injury um and Ovechkin just continues to stay healthy I mean what's the saying russian machine never breaks and it's it's true for Ovechkin so it's been it's been really awesome to see i'm i'm glad we're watching this and i i think i've mentioned it on this podcast before but it sucks that you know he's had so many lockouts in his career covid shortened seasons uh cuz if that wasn't the case he was prob he'd probably be on pace to catch gretzky this year like yeah. and maybe even pass it i i'm not sure but he's lost so much time to reasons outside of his control uh so it's great to see him you know take back the narrative basically and continue to score goals and i't i, I think he's really he's gonna do it i I have no doubt in my mind unless there's some catastrophic drop off but it doesn't seem like there's going to be
1: yeah i mean I think you you t- you look at ovechkin's career right and people forget that he entered the league at age twenty so let's say he enters at nineteen instead the lockout year doesn't happen and you know he scored fifty two at age 20, it's not unreasonable to expect 30 at age 19, right? Like that's a pretty significant jump on its own. Then in the lockout shortened 2012 year, he scored 32 and 48 games. That was like in his prime essentially. So 32 divided by 48 times 82. That's another 18, 19 goals. So we're now at an extra 49 goals already. Then the two COVID shortened years, he scored 48 and 24. So 48 plus 24, 72 goals in 68 plus 45 games. So hold the 72 for me so I can remember it there, Mary. All right, so it's 68.
0: Doing math live on the podcast. Plus 45. Yeah,
1: I know, it's not entertaining, but that's okay. So 113 games, 72 divided by 113. And then times 164. So that's another 32 goals that he would have from that stretch. So we're up to 49 plus 32, 51, 81 goals extra on top of his 749 that we've missed from Alex Ovechkin. Just ballparking.
0: Yeah. And that might you know? honestly be on the low end.
1: It might. It might. Now, the, the benefit is that he's stayed healthy his entire career, right? So like we don't have any massive losses of time due to injury like we have this with Crosby. I this makes it, though,
0: more tragic. That he's lost yes. time. That he's lost time, not of his own ha- will. Yeah, not of his
1: own. Well, but I mean, I mean yeah, injuries, injuries aren't. aren't your own will. Yeah,
0: but it, on circumstances that aren't his, like his. They're outside of hockey. Yeah, they're outside of hockey. Aren't impacting his like ability to play. Um, it just it sucks. It, that's kind of the most tragic part about this for me is that, um, we could really be in. I mean, considering I just said he's gonna break it. This we're basically just. uh, prolonging this conversation for a couple years down the line but we could have been having this conversation this year if we could do it Uh, yeah but I mean like I said I still think he's gonna do it so you know check back in a couple years uh when we're there but uh you know it's it's just really cool to be watching history before our eyes I mean technically we're doing that every day but it's like this is something really special and magical
1: it 100 percent is, and the fact is he's gonna do it anyway, and that's the best part. But uh, speaking of stats, we gotta tell you about Stat Hero. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better. But traditional fantasy fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform, where it's you versus the house in a head-to-head set of fantasy matchups. Winner take all. Here's the crazy part. Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play, and you handpick the team you want to face one on one. This never before seen innovation of a fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clocking odds that are over four times better. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your fate. With Stat Hero, you are in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play. For or how much you're gonna play for, and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Hero head-to-head is what daily fantasy should be, one-on-one. Sign up for free today, right now at StatHero.com/hockey. Use promo code Hockey for 100% deposit match, matching your deposit by a hundred percent. You're doubling it. That's StatHero.com/hockey. Use promo code Hockey for a 100% match. StatHero.com slash hockey, promo code hockey, terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. Unfortunately, Mary Clark can't be with us today, but I do have a very special guest who I very much appreciate making time for us today. And that is Eric Angles, Sportsnet Montreal Canadiens insider. Because I know that Eric is extremely busy right now because I guess things are happening in around the Montreal Canadiens, Eric. I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? Not busy at all? You're, You're chill? No. No, if
2: I yawn, it's not because you're boring me. I promise.
1: But I am, but that's okay. Uh, so obviously, there's some upheaval in the Montreal market right now. Uh, Mark Bergevin, is? yeah, Mark Bergevin. Many of the uh, top brass of the Montreal Canadiens have been unceremoniously booted. Uh, I think was maybe it unceremonious. Before, I mean, there wasn't much ceremony about it, was there? I guess they let Bergevin have uh, like a nice goodbye note. On their official website and everything which was nice But uh, it didn't seem like it Happened in the most Cathartic way for Bergevin Is that incorrect <laughs> It wasn't a cathartic firing for him well, You know what I mean would, like it wasn't like I would like, agree, uh, I would it, agree wasn't a, <laughs> it was not a cathartic thing If him. there's such a thing but I mean like there, It didn't seem like it ended on the best Terms just because like things Leaked and there was reports That he learned about it through like social media
2: Yeah you know what? Listen, Mark is like a fiercely loyal guy. If there's anything we've learned about Mark said on top of being passionate and so into what he was doing and really holding the Canadians to his, to his heart, the way he always said, um, fiercely loyal. And fiercely loyal to the people he worked for, but fiercely loyal to the people who worked for him too. And so whatever happened with Scott Mellenby... Um, and the opportunity that he thought he was setting him up for that he was led to believe you know that he could be able to tell Scott that he was taking care of him I'm sure it really bugged Mark and I'm not saying I haven't spoken to Mark but I'm sure it really bugged him to not be able to be to not be able to tell Scott himself that uh, this isn't going in the direction that that I was told all along it, it would and that I thought it would and I'm sure he felt as though he disappointed someone very close to him and that, and I'm sure he was very angry about the fact that he was caught off guard by the whole thing. And I don't blame him. I also don't blame Jeff Molson because when you're in that position and you have to make certain decisions and you have to go about acting swiftly and under the radar, which as my colleague, Elliot Friedman, who set this whole firestorm off uh, by reporting that Gordon had obtained permission to speak to the Canadians, um, said himself, you know, Molson was like 36 hours away from pulling this whole thing off without anybody knowing about it. And in order for that to be the case, Mark Bergevin couldn't know about it either. Right. So it's all understandable. So yeah, I guess you're right. Unceremonious. Yes.
1: From your perspective, would there be a downside to informing Bergevin ahead of time that he was going to be let go? Or is that just not a thing that you could do and let him. I don't continue. think it's about Mark.
2: Yeah, like I don't think it's about Mark being informed as to whether or not he was being let go. I think it's more that it's more about what happened with Mel and B. right? Uh, in terms of how you, and and no, I mean, there's no way to tell someone ahead of time, hey, you know, we're going in a different direction. This is how we're doing it, and we're putting it in place. In the next, you know, Mark speaks to if Mark speaks to one person, it's it's getting to other people, and that's. You know, as Jeff Moulton explained, um, you know, the day that he had the deal done was the day that it was announced, right? So, you know, whether he had a great conversation with Jeff Gordon and they shook hands and said, we've got a deal. Here's your five-year contract and uh, I'll send it over to you. And, you know, that announcement isn't made until it's signed. You know, I had a call into to uh, Glenn Sather and John Davidson. Uh, on Sunday morning to speak to them about Jeff Gordon. And neither of them texted me back. And uh, within a minute of the deal being announced, Glenn Sather called me. So it, it just, you know, it's, if you're Jeff Molson, <laughs> you know, you're not saying boo, even if you think you've got everything locked into place until that, you know, if you're an executive long enough, you know, it, nothing's done until it's actually done. Yeah, you got to cross the T's, not the I's. Yeah, and you can't let things get in the way of things getting done either, right? And that would be, even if you really like Mark Bergevin, have a really close relationship with him and don't want to sandbag him, don't want him to be caught off guard and don't want to, all those things to happen, you know, you you try to do it in a way that you're not getting in the way of what you need to do here. So I think, you know, Elliot's report on Saturday night at 640-something set off a whole chain of events that kind of sped up the process. And I, I think, you know, most likely we would have been hearing about the Gordon hiring and the firings on Monday. Um, but the timeline got advanced when, when Elliot put out, what he put out.
1: Yeah. The power of the insider. Yes. <laughs> uh, don't when, let, when the- don't yeah, I'm not
2: saying that. Cause I don't, I don't want it to get to Elliot's head. It's already big enough. <laughs> <laughs>
1: eh, yeah. Yeah. That's why they added the camera on the broadcast, right? To go swoop all around. you got to get his whole head.
2: Yeah. I got to get Elliot's whole head on the broadcast. (laughs) I I can say
1: this. If anybody's
2: listening, I could say this. Elliot's a very good friend. Um, Elliot isn't. He would hate me saying more that he's a good friend of mine than me making making fun of him.
1: Uh, He doesn't strike me as somebody who gets easily offended by riling and making fun of people. No,
2: he Elliot actually gets easily offended by like politeness and formality and uh, <laughs> saying thank you to him when he does you favors. Like that's, that's where I like, gets offended, but that's enough about right. him. Like I said, he's a, he gets talked about enough.
1: This is true. All right. So th- were you surprised that the l- layoffs for lack of a better term extended to uh, like, I think Trevor Timmons was, it, you could kind of see the writing on the wall with the talk about the lack of development and drafting over the last uh, nine years of this, uh, regime but paul wilson as well were you surprised that that and if you were or weren't doesn't matter where do you see that like what does that signal to you
2: i don't want to be like shoes on the other foot here i don't think it's appropriate for me to talk about the reasons why i believe paul wilson was fired okay you know i had a relationship with him in uh, being a media member and, and working closely with him over the last couple of years, I, l- I really like Paul. He's a really funny, great guy. Um, and I know he cared a great deal about what he was doing. And I could say that I wasn't very surprised about him being let go because he was just so uh, arm in arm with Mark on everything that I think it's, a, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a normal kind of process. I also think that what happened with Logan Mayu, no matter what Jeff Molson says and saying that it's not at all the reason for the three men finding themselves without a job, there's a direct link between all three men, you know, running through Logan Mayu that is impossible to ignore in terms of, it it may not be the linchpin and why this decision was made, but to say it's not a part of it would be ignorant. And Outside of that, you know, that's really all I could say about it other than I'm, I'm not really surprised that, that Paul was let go.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely seems like there's a bit of a connection there. And it makes you, th- like, do you think there's any chance that the Canadians are going to be in a situation where they're going to renounce that pick? I know that there's no real formal process for that, but they could say, like, they're not going to sign the player. And I think they can allow him to reenter the draft.
2: I hope not. You know, and uh, that's saying everything that I've written on Logan Mayu and the decision to make that pick. Um, for anybody, I'm not going to recap those pieces, but, you know, I was very hard on the Canadians for doing what they did. Uh, but to continuously have to kind of find the right way of saying this, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer that if, that people do deserve second chances, but they need to earn them. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's essentially what I wrote about when it came to Logan Mayu. It seems as though the organization is giving him an opportunity to earn the second chance they promised to give him. And I'd like to see what he does with that opportunity. And if, and if he inevitably does earn it uh, to go back and renounce the pick would be spoiling an opportunity to help him in that process and have him, arrive at the destination you'd like to see him arrive at in his personal growth as a human being and as a player, a second. So I'm not for that. You know, I'm not for outright canceling people. I don't think they should have drafted him. He had, a, whether or not he felt it was a good political move or whatever it was, there was maturity in saying, nobody pick me. I'm not prepared to do this and I'm going need to prove myself up and my character up. Well, he was chosen. Now let him prove up his character. He's been dealt with very harshly in a lot of different ways. He brought that upon himself with his actions. Now what's he going to do about it? I, I would more, if I were in their shoes, want to see how he follows that through. And if he can't, then you deal with it then and you tell people, you know, he didn't live up to his end of this deal. And for that reason, we're walking away from it, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm not for, I'm not for the other way of doing it at this point.
1: Yeah. I'd say like, not to put words in your mouth by any stretch, but in a way, as much as if you were to walk away from him, it could be a decent public relations move for a certain sector of the fan base it also is kind of washing your hands of the responsibility that you took on would you agree that's that's what I'm saying yeah that is that's that's
2: yeah I mean I'm interested in your I'm interested in many people's opinions on this matter and how they feel about it but yeah you know you you made this mess you clean it up you know both to him and the organization now that's in lockstep with him yeah and I, I I, I would like to see very concrete initiatives built which I understand they put Jumbiev Peckett in charge of you know, that process and Rob Ramage is closely involved in it. And I've spoken to Logan Mayer's representative and, and, you know, let's get one thing straight too, that this, he is not the victim here, but that doesn't mean that he hasn't paid severely for his actions. Um, it's been tough for him. It's been tough from a mental standpoint. It's been tough from a standpoint of his parents being very concerned about him. Um, he's been through a lot. And, you know, he, he did this thing and it was an awful thing and he's got to live with it. And he has to live with all the consequences that have come with it. And I hope that he can learn from it and, and turn it all around and turn it into something positive. And he can't undo his actions, but he can do a lot of good coming out of this and i think the organization has to hold him to a certain standard to be able to continue to uh to be able to bring him along uh when that time comes if they want to do that you know like they they have to they have to hold him to a certain standard and and get him there otherwise wash their hands of him if he can't hold up his end of the deal
1: do you know, this will be the last question on the topic, but just out of curiosity, because I don't think I ever read or heard if they had, but do you know if the Montreal Canadiens ever ended up reaching out to the victim there?
2: My understanding was that they did, Um, but that out of respect for the victim's privacy, there would be no comment on what that interaction oh, was course, like. of yeah. course, yeah. And also uh, the belief is that they you know, I think she wants to move on with her life and and live it. uh, Right. Which is absolutely, you know, yeah. Extremely reasonable. Anything anything she wants is within her right. Yes. No matter what. So yeah, you know, uh, it's been a while since we've been in that dossier. There's been so much going on with the Canadians that I haven't been as closely attached to it. um, Of late. We'll get back to it because he remains a member of the organization. And so long as he does, um, there's going to be questions to answer as he goes through each step of the process. The next one is whether or not he's going to start playing hockey again in January. And that's going to be up to the OHL to decide. And he has been indefinitely suspended until then, at which point he'll have to submit a case to them uh, to be reinstated. And
1: there isn't a guarantee. Yeah. I've also heard that from, a few people behind the scenes that he, there's a chance that he may not play this year at all.
2: So we'll see. And listen, I I should probably check in to see what, what he's doing to build that case um, and and what kind of progress or progressive steps he's taken outside of just, you know, doing therapy. Um, I think there's a number of things to do and and we'll see where it goes. I know that one thing is for sure. I know we, we asked a lot of questions of Javier Paquette who's heading up, this operation from the Canadians end of it, who's working closely with the London and all that. um, You know, it asked, does he intend on speaking with kids so that they don't fall into the same uh, patterns and do the same kind of things that he did? Does he intend on speaking to other victims? And what was uh, told to us was that he's got to go through his own process to fully understand it uh, with, with, professional help before he could start addressing that with other people.
1: Yeah. And that makes total sense.
2: Yeah. So we'll, we'll see where it all goes, but you know, the Canadians made a tragic mistake and really underestimated how it would be reacted to since then, you know, they've taken positive steps, not towards rectifying the mistake, but towards making the most of the situation both for for themselves and for Logan Mayu, in the hopes that he he'll be better off for it and they will make a better contribution to society in terms of being sensitive to these issues moving forward and and trying to help uh, trying to help with with different initiatives that bring attention to these problems in our our society.
1: Perfect. All right. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Eric about some more current news. And maybe his thoughts on some of the names up for general manager of the Montreal Canadiens in a moment. Got a beard? Get Primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, hey, I usually have a beard, it needs to get Primal. Maybe you're that guy who's never considered the benefit of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. Their goal is to help others look good and live healthier lives through the use of natural oils. The products are free from harmful, harmful synthetic ingredients with low impact on our planet. Primal Primal Origins Oils makes balms, oils, and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel in beard products available. This is due to the exotic carrier blend with oils like raspberry seed, rose hip, and chia seed oil. All products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the USA. The combo kits make great holiday gifts if you're shopping for yourself and you'll be glad for your Or if you're shopping for yourself, you'll be glad you did. Not only are the products and dedication to quality top-notch, the company was founded for a noble cause. The founder, Stephen's mother, was injured in a car accident and the company was started to pay for her treatment and recovery. If you've used or received this product, make sure you tell us how you feel about it. Most companies focus on fragrance first, but that leads to a product that does not feel good on the skin. We took a step back and focused on the ingredients first, to ensure a product that feels great and smells fantastic. We know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origins Oils challenges you to compare their products and ingredients and feel to the beard or feel in the beard to the other companies that you've used. We promise you will see and feel the difference. Remember the code LOCKEDON gets you 20% off at primaloriginsoils.com. Use the code LOCKEDON, all one word, at checkout for 20% off. PrimalOriginOils.com. BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LockedOn to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, the NHL, boxing, and UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the twenty twenty one season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, we're back with Eric Angles of Sportsnet. He's their Montreal Canadiens insider. You can often see him on Tim and Sid. He's all over the place. Tim and, and Friends. And Tim and Friends. Yes, that's right. It is Tim and Friends now. My apologies to uh, okay. to Tim who's the sole man at the helm now. Uh, so Eric, the names that keep coming up are relatively familiar so far, but we heard Jeff Molson talk about uh, hiring different voices or like various, various voices in his press conference. The name that keeps on that. I keep on seeing there's two of them that come up most often are Matthew Darsh and Daniel Briere. Are those the two front runners in your mind?
2: You know, it's too early in this thing to, to suggest anybody is a front runner. Okay. Um, okay. Obviously, I've reported that Daniel Breyer is very high up on the list of people the Canadians will consider. Um, what do you listen? What do you think of the power structure here? What's the power structure in your mind with Jeff Gordon having just come in on a five year deal as VP exec of hockey operations, regardless of what Jeff Wilson said the other day? And by the way, there was one clip of him saying at the end of the day, that the GM will have the final say on the decision or whatever it is. I personally, and I'm not alone in this think He misspoke when he said that. Yeah. But, but what's in your mind is the clear power structure here.
1: I mean, what I'm seeing is because I saw some people kind of annoyed at the idea that Scott Gordon or no, sorry, it's not Scott Gordon, Jeff Gordon coming in as the VP instead of the president of hockey operations, And they were thinking like, like, okay, Molson's not relinquishing control. But to me, I I feel like maybe that's a ego thing where he's not losing a title, but he's bringing someone in to do all the hockey stuff. And so I would assume that uh, Gordon's at the top and then the GM is working with him in more of a similar situation. of like the Toronto Raptors with, I forget the name of their GM, which is kind of sad. No, no, Masayu Jiri is their president, right? Yeah. The GM is someone else. So like Messiah is the guy who calls the big shots and maybe yeah. is like the visionary of the team, but for most of the moves, it's still the GM negotiating, yeah. doing all that stuff.
2: Right. Yeah. It's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. One thing is sure is it's not a two man operation. They will work in tandem on a lot of different things. And for world. sure trust each other's opinions and debate with each other and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, the the decision is going to have to be authorized at one point or another, and it's going to be by Jeff Gordon. So, you know, what is the other person filling in the quotient? What are the compliments that person is bringing to the role that complements Jeff Gordon's experience and his front office experience throughout the NHL in various capacities and what his actual strengths are? which we'll find out more about when he speaks inevitably, which I believe will be Friday. Um, First and foremost, on the French quotient, this is going to have to be the spokesperson of the Montreal Canadiens. Yes. uh, And the hockey operations department specifically. Uh, And that person is going to have to be personable, patient, um, relatable, uh, understanding, smart, uh, what are the other words I'm looking for here? I'm looking for a specific, it's ironic that I'm looking for a specific word that uh, that's escaping me to describe exactly what the key is here. Anyways, all to say, that, that person is going to have to be a master in, in communicating, and, but someone who's relatable not only to the media and the fans, but someone who's relatable to the players and the people he's going to be dealing with on a daily basis. And, you know, I think it's, it's kind of, it's such a vital role within an organization that kind of gets ignored. You know, you think about a GM, you think about the trades, you think about the signings, you think about the contract negotiations, you think about the press conferences, but every day that person is in the trenches with the team every day. When the team is going through a five-game losing streak and Andrew's hosting a podcast talking about how the power play stinks, that guy is meeting with the coaches and with the players and trying to get to the bottom of it and trying to offer solutions and trying to assess what the issues are. And it's nonstop, right? That's not a function of the job that you overlook just because you want someone who's Trader Joe and and great at drafting and developing and all those things. It's It's the primary function of the person I think that's taking that role because Jeff Gordon is the guy who's got all the relationships around the league. Uh, as a former GM, uh, he's the guy who's going to be talking to people and scouring the league for trade opportunities and signings. And he'll have his team around him and the GM will have a lot of say in how things get negotiated and done and all that. But at the end of the day, someone's got to be doing all that other stuff that I'm talking about on top of being, able to manage the other key departments of player personnel and uh, drafting, developing, and all that stuff, right? So I think about that type of spokesperson and I think about those elements. And so it it, it becomes obvious why you hear the names of Daniel Briere and Matthew Darsh and Roberto Luongo specifically, right? I think you put those three names kind of at the top in terms of being very similar, candidates for different reasons. They're, they're similar candidates in what they bring. I'm not sure any of them fill the requirement better than Daniel Breer would. Um, but that's just based on what I know about all those people in my opinion and what I'm hearing. That said, Jeff Gordon's going to have his interviews and he's going to speak to people and I think th- those three people will be on his list of people to speak to and he'll have to decide who he thinks he'll have the most compatible relationship with and who best complements what he's bringing to the organization and who best fits in the paradigm that has been set forth as the power structure, right? So, yeah, I I guess that's the best way I'd explain why those names are kind of... Again, I can't say they're at the top of the list because the list is probably expansive and we're not far along enough in the process to know for for certain what direction they're going in here, but, uh, just sharing, you know, basically what I've heard and, and how I see it.
1: Yeah. Is there anything unique about Daniel briere that makes him stand out to you?
2: <laughs> his passion, his demeanor, his, uh, his intelligence, the road he's taken to arrive at this destination, his willingness to be groomed within that role, I think, and, and learn in a cooperative kind of manner and try to take on more responsibility as he moves on and be willing to stand up for his convictions, but not be so callous in that process as to think that it's his way or the highway or contentious and conflictual to the point that it's counterproductive. So I, and I just, I just know Danny. I, I mean, the guy is a phenomenal guy. He's a family man. He's a loyal man. Um, those are factors, you know. When I spoke to John Davidson, he was talking about. I look at people and how they operate within their own family. It tells me a lot about who they are in the front office. And loyalty is enormous. You know, it, it is an enormous factor that can never be overlooked. You got to be able to trust the people around you and believe that they're loyal to you. If there's, if they're um, reporting to you and that's that's really huge and from everything I've heard Jeff Gordon is that type of person you know Jeff Gordon trusts the people he puts in positions Um, you can't be at the head of the table if you're not willing to listen to everybody else's opinion before making the decision you don't belong in the room if that's the case he's that type of guy he's a cooperative collaborative guy who will still you know take on the authority it requires that he gets to do it in the shadows do have an answer for it all the time is going to be a ma- major advantage for him uh, in this market. And it's a smart way to go to continue to fill a mandate that no matter how ridiculous people outside of Quebec thinks it is, is, is vital in this marketplace. Um, you know, outside of Montreal, Montreal's a 50, 50 split in French, English, whatever. Uh, maybe it's, it's 60, you know, 50 I think it's five, like 30,
1: five, 70 now.
2: Is it? Yeah, I think so. Is it 30, 30, 70 French. Yep. Or 70 30 French? Yeah. I think it's I think it's closer to in the middle, but even still, outside of Montreal and every other region of Quebec, it's it's 90-10, if not 99.5. So 99.5 is not good math, but you know
1: Um, (laughs) that's that's Quebec. They go the extra four percent. I'm
2: just saying, you know, like you can't offend a third of your fan base, assuming not every every French speaking person feels it's that vital to the position that the GM be able to communicate in their language. There is still a significant portion of the fan base that would be highly offended by it. And I'm not sure I'll ever be able to explain it properly without, for people that just haven't experienced it and lived in for 36 years in Montreal, like I have uh, 38 actually, sorry. gave myself a, <laughs> for a couple of years, but it just is what it is. It's hard to explain that people outside, you know, people look at other organizations and say, well, they do it this way. And But the Montreal Canadians, it's when Jeff Molson calls them a unique market and a unique organization. Unique is the right word. I don't think there's anybody like them anywhere. And maybe no one will ever understand it unless they're that closely involved in it or, or, uh, or live in this province and are born and raised here. So whatever it is, I think it was a, a unique, a smart kind of workaround here and it could benefit both people. There's, there's going to be disadvantages too, you know, if for whatever reason, the decisions don't get made right, the blame game will be interesting. Um, yes.
1: Yeah. That'll be, I mean, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Cause I think this market needs some, some consistency at this point uh, and some forward momentum because it's been a, a rough few months here after that Stanley cup final run. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, it's the craziest thing that I've, in covering the Canadians, just like in hockey, momentum is such a factor. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, and man, like, like we've seen it, when things go wrong, the way it snowballs in this market, or in any Canadian market for that matter it's like out of control. It's one thing after the next and you just never know when it's going to stop and turn the other way when it's good. It's the same effect. Like it's this happens, then that happens and the next thing happens and you're just like, Whoa, like this is really something, you know? And, but yeah, you know, I I think back on 15 years covering this team and the times that have been bad, it's like, it's, um, it's a hurricane of, of, insanity and negativity and it it's it, you never know when the, the wind is going to stop. Like it's, it's crazy here.
1: Yeah. Speaking of that negativity, I know that you're super busy right now, but did you get a chance by any chance to see uh max Pacioretty's interview with his agent and Adam wild?
2: I read excerpts from, okay. Uh,
1: just to like go over this specific thing. He talked about when he was in Montreal and how much he loved it and he didn't realize while it was happening, how much the negativity was bearing down on him until he like took a moment and started to feel like how claustrophobic it was and how, like, how much of a release it was when he got to Vegas. And he talked about uh, what the Canadians need to do to kind of insulate their players a little bit. And I know Max was in some ways his worst enemies and that he read everything. But uh, do you think that a guy like Daniel Briere, who's not only played here like Matthew Darsh did as well, but played here, expected to be like prime Daniel Briere for a moment and struggled under a coach that didn't really like him that much and was a francophone in this market. Can read both sides of the media would be a better fit in terms of like understanding how to insulate your players or like create a positive environment so that that negativity doesn't seep into the everyday lives.
2: I think if I was Daniel Brier, I'd sell myself on, on that point among many others. Yeah. I can't say for sure. Um, but if I were him, I, I think it's a great question, to be honest with you. And I think someone who has lived it and been through it, yeah, they're, they're at an advantage to be able to make that kind of, have an influence in instituting that type of change. And so if I were Daniel Brier and I was looking to get that job, um, and I know he is, you know, uh, he's not campaigning for it, but I, I'm, I know he wants it. It's what he's been preparing for. Uh, I, I'd sell myself on that for sure.
1: Okay. Last question. I'll let you go. Eric, uh, Patrick Waugh. speaking of campaigning. Do you think he would be a fit here or do you think that's just not a smart idea?
2: Well, given the power dynamics that we've talked about before and how I see them, uh, I think Patrick's comments came from a place of probably being frustrated by the idea that they didn't call him instead of Jeff Gordon. Um, Because now that Jeff Gordon's there in a five-year capacity with the executive title, uh, I can't really fathom Patrick taking that role even if he comes in and undoes that perception and and says, I'm going to cooperate and I'm going to do all these things. I don't you know, I don't think Patrick, sh- you know, let me put it this way. This is probably where I should have started. Patrick was a winner.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. like,
2: This guy has won everywhere and is just, he knows winning and his passion is through the roof. And, and he is as strong a personality and ego as you can find in sports. And I don't think he should change that or apologize for it. That's the that's the first thing that I think is key. Patrick should be Patrick. It's always served him well, no matter how much trouble it's gotten him into at different times. It hasn't gotten in the way of him winning, and that's what sports is all about. But um, that's not a fit in this structure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and, When you and- mentioned before about the whole if something does go wrong or a trade is bad in the blame game, just based on what happened in colorado that doesn't seem like a good idea.
2: Yeah, listen, I don't think you should I don't think he should want the job under these circumstances. He says he does. But I don't think he should because it means either neutering himself or being exactly who he is and if he's exactly who he is, I don't see how it can work because he's going to overpower jeff gordon in and that's just inevitably he's just too big a monster not to devour him. And and that's not disrespecting Jeff Gordon. It's just, that's it's just, reality. And, and again, <laughs> and again, like Patrick should be Patrick. I, I don't see a reason why he should ever be different. Is it for everyone? No. Do you need to be for everyone? If you're GM? No. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, this guy is one of the brightest hockey minds out there. He's an elite talent evaluator. He had a big hand in building Colorado. Uh, I promise you that. And all that stuff that seems to negate his candidacy because maybe Jeff Molson or whoever thinks he's too volatile. I get it but I don't see why he should change it if he, like, that's who he is, you know? Like, I think you should be who you are. And if people are willing to give you a chance and and roll the dice with that, great. Uh, and if they're not, I think Patrick's had a good enough career that he doesn't have to worry about it. So I was surprised to see those comments yesterday. I knew he'd be asked about it. You know, he's in the public eye enough that he would be. Um, and I think if he really wanted the job that currently exists and the way we've described it, his best move would have been to say nothing more than there's a lot of great people out there. And if they consider to be me to be one of them, uh, I'll be happy to answer the phone, you know, like uh, that's the way I would have played it, but Patrick's Patrick. So there you go. (laughs)
1: This is true. All right. Thanks so much, Eric, for, for joining me here. I really appreciate it and get some rest before the next bevy of breaking news happens i'm on it <laughs> talk to you soon man all right take care you missing thanksgiving a little bit i know we are i mean it, it passes by so quickly and now we're just waiting for christmas it's that time of the year where you you're kind of in a lull the christmas lights are out but you're just waiting for your time off bring back the memories of the holidays by bringing back some of the flavors of the holidays it's a perfect time for built bars built bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of that leftover pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace that coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar, or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry. If the memories of Thanksgiving are fading out, go for a built Bar or two. New, new surprises all month, limited time flavors, arriving at built.com regularly, so check that site often. Go to built.com and pro, use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Mary. It's time to get into our pop culture roulette segment. I know that uh, I am caught up on Hawkeye, and you are not. That's unfortunately. fine. That's fine.
0: Talk about it. I said in the, I said before we went live. Please talk about it because yeah. uh, I don't care for spoilers on this one. It seems to just be so far a fun, uh, romp, and uh, I want to hear about it. So please talk about it.
1: I mean, there are some spoiler. oh there's just breaking news actually that uh canadians forwards Brendan gallagher and defenseman uh sammy niku entered the nhl's COVID protocol well so, more of that
0: <laughs> yeah i mean just refer back to our previous discussion on COVID at yep. the top of the show so
1: yeah unfortunate so uh hawkeye positive news it's good uh i really like kate bishop's character she's very fun i feel like kaylee steinfeld is just great in everything i just think of her in uh bumblebee and how her char- charisma just like really carried that movie it's kind of the same here because uh, jeremy renner i don't know i don't dislike him but he's a little wooden like mm-hmm. he's not the best for me in the third episode is the best i think we've seen him so far as hawkeye like he gets more emotional
0: he gets some moments i like in the movies when he basically acts as kind of a dad figure to scarlet witch those are his best moments in his
1: best moments are in age of ultron right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so and uh, apparently that's that moment is why kevin feige greenlit an idea of a hawkeye series is it kind
0: of the same vibe does he kind of get give off the same uh, dad hawkeye vibe uh, it... not at first okay. not at well, first yeah, at first he's like very much you gotta yeah it. at
1: first he's very much annoyed that he has to deal with a kid okay right so but I... he's got his dad vibes with his own kids
0: that's good but th- i can see the progression if you if yeah. you say you know his best is in episode three so far so uh yeah, that so there are like,
1: like some mild spoilers coming into episode three but i guess it depends on like how much marvel coverage you read and how much you know about the comics and i don't
0: care just spoil it
1: how well you can recognize things, but there's a moment that's in a flashback of one of the characters named Echo, and uh, she's training, and her father's like, oh, I've got to do something, but your uncle's here to take care of you. And you just hear the, hun- the uncle basically like greet her and like have a little laugh, and I was like, mm, that is Kingpin.
0: Oh, neat. Yeah, that's cool. and
1: it's it's uh, f- the same kingpin as Daredevil, oh, so they are
0: okay. Folding All right. that in—that's good. It, I don't know
1: if you saw, but Vincent D'Onofrio has been like very strongly hinting that he is joining the MCU for like several months. Mm. And then anytime someone calls about him he's like, "I'm just talking about things. Like, I don't know what you're talking about." But I was like, "That was Vincent D'Onofrio's laugh. Mm-hmm. I know that laugh." Yeah. So yeah, I They don't show him.
0: In. I watched Daredevil back in the day, but that's a good. That's a good catch. But that's a really neat. Uh, way to tie things in uh to the wider mcu i still wish we would get you know daredevil and um and spider-man because i know that was like kind of it's happening is it
1: It, yeah i think it's happening all right it's like pretty much confirmed now
0: all right i'm excited let's go i mean i don't
1: think charlie cox is going out there saying that he'll fight anybody who gets cast as daredevil if he's not (laughs) already cast as daredevil and there's rumors that like because this character echo who's in this has a spin-off of her own coming on disney plus and the rumor is that essentially the entire Daredevil cast will be in that series. Oh,
0: neat. I did like, yeah. like I said, I liked Daredevil uh, when that was a thing on Netflix however many years ago. It was in college, because I definitely remember watching it in college, so that was some time ago. But it was fun. I mean, I guess it wasn't really fun, but it was an enjoyable series to watch. Uh, yeah,
1: I think it was a really well-crafted series. Yeah. I really understood the character very well and... Like Charlie Cox was unbelievable. Also, that was kind
0: of like the first foray into Marvel TV. So,
1: yeah, yeah, and first foray into like rated R as
0: well. Yeah, because so. <laughs>
1: it was pretty violent.
0: Mm-hmm. But they did some yeah. neat stuff with that. But that's that's cool. That's a really neat tie-in. That's because Andrew, that's not something I probably would have caught on my own. <laughs> so. No, I think
1: I think you might have. Like it wasn't. They didn't show him, but they showed like his hand. And like, if you've watched Daredevil, you might have recognized it's it. It's been
0: some time. It's it's yeah. probably one of those things where I would have been like, okay, who is this? I probably would have googled it after the fact. So knowing it now actually means I'll get more enjoyment out of it because I know what's coming, and um, I can actually like pay more attention to the scene and understand what's happening instead of being like, who is this? because uh, this happens to me sometimes. I'll be like, uh, what is going on? Uh, and Google will tell me what's going on. So.
1: Yeah, so that's as far as I'll go for spoilers, but uh, yeah, so you had something about uh, the new Final Fantasy 14 expansion, Yeah,
0: correct? that comes out uh, Friday. Um, I'm very excited. The game went down for maintenance today on Thursday. Uh, like I said, I've talked about this uh, a lot because that's kind of the only video game I've been playing uh, in 2021 because there haven't been a lot of video games I've wanted to play. So I'm excited for uh, and to be a part of an MMO on an expansion release. It's going to be probably pretty crowded. Uh, I'm looking forward to sending in a queue on Friday for a very long time to get in. Um, so it's just I'm just excited for the experience. It's going to be a really fun time, I think. And you know, it's neat to do something like this. I've never I've been a part of video game releases before, but they've all been single player experiences. So you know, I'd get hyped for it, and then I'd you know go dark on social media as if it was something I cared about, and play through the game, and then come back and be like, here are my thoughts. But now I get to kind of experience it with just a bunch of people so it's just neat it's a really neat thing um hopefully i'll get to do other things over the weekend too i would like to continue watching arcane um but my family is making cookies this week for christmas so uh i also have that coming up that's not pop culture related it's just a fun cute little thing my family does uh so it's always a good weekend when cookie bake is on the horizon so uh we just, we have a good time. But yeah, that's kind of all for me in terms of pop culture. I don't know how much I'll have in terms of next week. It'll probably just be gushing about Final Fantasy XIV again. But uh, maybe if my schedule lightens up, I'll get to do other things. Maybe. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we'll see. I, I've i already told you guys how busy this time of year is for me. But, um, you know, there's we're now starting to get into that time where a lot of good things are coming out. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Hawkeye, uh, among other things, movies um so hopefully i'll get to do other things uh now that you know we're i'm hopefully going to start to get more free time but we'll see
1: yeah hopefully uh but i think that's all we have for you today on the crosscheck nhl show it's a bit all over the place we have lots of we had lots of news to cover lots of little bits at the beginning but thanks for sticking with us thanks for making us your first listen every tuesday and thursday make your second listen locked on bets your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms.